0: Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. We're going to talk this morning on a series that we're calling Made New. Made New. And I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, look at that. Isn't that beautiful? That's awesome. Um... We're going to talk about this subject of being made new. What does it mean to be made new? I, uh, if I had to pick a topic, if I had to pick a message to preach for the rest of my life, if I had to pick one message to preach for the rest of my life, this is it. Brianne asked me yesterday if I had finished my notes. That's a, com- a conversation we often have on Saturdays. Have you finished your notes? She's, you know, not, not, she's not babysitting me. She's just asking like, like what that means to her is do we get to relax tonight or are you going to be working on your, on your notes? And so she asked, did you finish your notes? I said, no. And she said, okay. And I said, what I'm teaching today, I don't need notes for, and I don't even need a Bible for because it's in here. It's so in here and I can't wait to get it out on all of y'all this morning. Turn to your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to begin reading in verse 17, and we're going to read down through verse 21. Oh my God, I'm so excited. That little praise break just did me some good. I hope it did you some good too. If you will do me a favor this morning and lean in with me, and let's press in together to get everything that God has for us, because I believe he wants to say some things to us this morning. I believe he wants to remind us of some things that maybe we have lost sight of. Maybe this will be something you've never heard before, never known before, or maybe it'll be a great reminder to you this morning. Either way, we need it. Amen. How many of you know that no matter how you grow, no matter how much you mature, no matter how far you go, you never lose track of the basics? The basics are always an essential and a need in everybody's life. I like to cook at home, and for, since high school, I, sometime in high school, I started watching, like, cooking shows on TV, and my grandmother would come from New York, and she was a little Italian lady about this tall, and she would cook in the kitchen, and I would sit and watch her, and and I would just, there was just a period of time in my life where I was absorbing everything I could about cooking. I just got really into cooking. I'm already into food. You can see that. But I was into cooking the food, not just eating it. And I started to learn things, and I'll never forget when I started to learn how to use my knife skills. I, I finally went and bought a decent knife, and I started to learn how to cut things and how to, how to cut things without cutting my fingers off, you know. And I went through some cuts and, we, you know, some things. But as, as I've become more and more proficient and gotten better and better at cooking over the years, I never let go of those early knife skills because if I do, I could cut my finger off because what's changed from then to now is the knife has gotten a lot nicer and a lot sharper. And, and so I'm using high quality tools now. And I still remember, I still think all the time, dude, you better tuck your fingers in. If you don't tuck your fingers in, you're going to cut your tips of your fingers off because you never outgrow the basics. I learned that in high school and I've gotten better at it. I can do it now without looking, which I love to freak my kids out over that. I'll be just cutting some vegetables and just looking at them instead of of looking at the vegetable. But you know you never lose the basics. You never let go of the basics. And what we're going to talk about from 2 Corinthians from now until the next few weeks, I don't know how long this series is going to go. I don't have it all mapped out or charted out. We're just going to follow the Spirit of God and let him speak to each and every one of us. Is that okay? Yep. This is the basics. This is the reality or the realities of what it means to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. This is so critical to your development as a Christian. And my hope and my desire is that when we come away from this, from this teaching over the next few weeks, that we will come away so stirred up and built up and strengthened that no matter what the enemy decides to try to throw at us, we'll not forget who we are and we'll not forget whose we are. This is a study about you in Christ. This is a study about what does the Bible say about you in Christ. Amen. You know, we were at small group on, on Wednesday and Steffi said something so profound. She said you know a lot of people get saved and when they get saved if you could imagine salvation like going into a building like going into a room and there's this great big hall that you get to explore this magnificent thing called the kingdom of god and a lot of people dare i say most people get saved they come in the lobby and they stay in the lobby for the rest of their lives wasn't that profound Y'all give Steffi a high five on your way out today because she said that. I'm not gonna take credit for that. How How many of us recognize that we've come into an amazing kingdom, this incredible thing called the kingdom of God, this awesome thing, this beautiful supernatural organism called the church of Jesus Christ? We've come into that and we cannot afford to stay in the lobby. We cannot afford to stop at what God did just by understanding, hey, I'm saved. I get to go to heaven now. That's great. That's life-changing. That's eternity-shaping and eternity-changing for you. That's amazing, and that's the most important thing in the world. But after that happens, there's a whole lot more you get to experience and a whole lot more you get to know about what actually happened on Calvary's cross. That's what we're going to dive into this week and in the coming weeks. Let's pray. We haven't prayed enough yet today. Father, we we thank you this morning for your goodness. Help us to grasp your word, Lord. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us to comprehend what is the depth and length and breadth and height of your love. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge and understanding. Give us the wisdom that we need to peer accurately into the word of God, that this word would take root in us and absolutely transform us from the inside out. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen." Amen. Let's put our confession of faith on the screen real quick. Those watching at home and those who are here, let's declare this out loud together. You can read it up on the screen. Let's say it out loud together. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Amen. We believe that. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17, and we're going to read down through verse 21. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Verse 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us unto himself and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses against them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We plead with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled unto God. Verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. you're gonna, by the time we get done studying this, you're gonna be very comfortable with words like righteousness, with words like justification, with words like propitiation. That's a $6 word right there. Amen? With words like substitutionary. I, I intend to really do my best to infuse as much practicality into this subject, but, it, but it's such a big subject, y'all, and it spans the entire Bible. If you want to know what the gospel is all about, this is it. Amen. You can actually turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 16 as well. Let's read that as well. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17, for in it the power of the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, for as it is written, the just shall live by faith. This is a good place for us to start. I was going to start in Second Corinthians 5, but let's start here for just a second. I'm not ashamed, Paul said, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of you know what the word gospel means? Good news. Does anybody know what the history of the word gospel is? Do you know where it comes from? It comes from ancient times, of course. The Bible is an ancient book, so that shouldn't be surprising. But it comes from ancient times, and it comes from when when. Uh, nations were much smaller, when, when, when kingdoms were tiny, when you could, you know, if you go to, to certain places in Europe uh, and the Middle East, you can still see cities that are walled. If you go to some of my favorite places in Italy, you can see walled cities up on top of a hill. And I was just explaining this to somebody recently, maybe one of my kids, that back in the day, those were kingdoms unto themselves. So a city that had a wall around it, that that, that place had a kingdom, or, or that place was a kingdom and had its own king, and and the the countryside was dotted with all these kinds of places. And the word gospel comes from that time when there were what we call feudal lords and people who you know lords who who uh, managed these little kingdoms, and and they would often war with each other. Okay, so this kingdom from over on this hill used to fight with the kingdom from over on this hill, and each had their own walled cities, and, and, and this is what would happen. The kings would march out with their armies against this other kingdom, and they would do battle, and as the battle was ending, there would be somebody who would run back or ride back to the kingdom and tell everybody in the kingdom the, the news from the battlefield. That person was referred to in ancient times as the gospel messenger. The gospel messenger. So, when we talk about the word gospel, yes, it is good news, but it comes from that context. It's a message of good news about victory that came from the battle, right? It's, it's a messenger that rides into town, hear ye, hear ye. I've just returned from the battle and we won. I've just come with news from the king. The battle was successful. We're triumphant. We win. That person was called the gospel messenger. The beauty about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that, very specifically, it is the gospel message. It is the good news message to you and to me that we win. That Jesus fought a fight that you and I could never have fought. And he came out absolutely, completely victorious in that fight. That is the good news. It's not just good news for good news sake. It's not like cheap good news. Like, hey, good news. You know, Chick-fil-A drive-thru opened again. Good news. Good news. Your team went all the way. Right? No, this is life-changing, super-substantial good news. It's good news that the devil's defeated. It's good news that Jesus reigns supreme, that all authority in heaven and earth's been given to him, and you and I have a part and a place in his kingdom. That's good news. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of that good news for why? Paul, why are you not ashamed of the gospel? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. Let's think about this for just a second. Let's take that phrase and talk about it for a second. I'm not ashamed for this good news about Christ's victory. Why, Paul? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. The power of God is held up and bound up and in the gospel. If you ever wished you had more power of God in your life, the first place you could look to is the gospel. If you ever thought, man, I just wish I had more authority over the devil. I wish I had more authority over, over sickness and disease. I wish I had more authority over strife in my marriage. I wish I had more authority. Well, If you want to find more power, go to the source. The gospel is the source of power in the kingdom of God. Paul says it here. I'm not ashamed of it because it's the power of God unto salvation. That means that it is God's power to save. My hope is that you never look at after this whole series of teaching. My hope is that you never look at salvation the same way. That is. That's my, that's my, my goal and my hope is that you and I never look at salvation the same way that it deepens our understanding of what actually happened when we got saved. The gospel, the word of good news to us has in itself all the power that is necessary to transform the human heart. He says it's the power of God to salvation. So why is that important? Why is that encouraging? It's encouraging because you and I don't need to and can't add anything to the gospel to try to save anybody or do anything for anybody. The gospel has in itself, nested within itself, all of the resource, all of the power, all of the potency of God to absolutely transform somebody's life. Why in the world would we try to improve on that? Amen. Why would we try? Why would we be so arrogant as to believe that we could improve on something that was God's idea? I had a conversation with a friend years ago. And he said, Man, I, you know, I'm rethinking church. I'm, I'm, I'm unpacking this. I'm, I'm rethinking this. I, you know, I wonder if we got it all messed up. I said, slow down, bro. Just be careful. I said, church was God's idea, not yours. Salvation, God's idea, not ours. I'm not going to try to add anything to that. I can't. I couldn't if I wanted to. Because it's the gospel by itself that is the power of God unto salvation. It is the gospel that by itself has everything necessary to take you and I from dead in trespasses and sins to alive together with Christ Jesus. How many of you have ever tried to resurrect something and failed miserably? because we can't do it on our own. The gospel is the power of God. So watch what he goes on to say, verse 16, and then we'll go into verse 17. It's the power of God to salvation for who? Everybody who believes. This is is an equal opportunity message, man. Everybody gets in on this if they choose to believe it. Amen. Aren't you glad God doesn't discriminate against anybody for any reason? He goes on to say for the Jew first and also for the Greek, that means that the gospel came through Jesus to the Jews first, and then Paul and Peter and James and John, they were the ones that took it to the rest of the world, to the Greeks of that time. Then he goes on in verse 17, this is what I wanted to get to, for in it, what is the it? The gospel. Thank you for those who are paying attention. The gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness of God is revealed. The last verse of, of the um, passage in 2 Corinthians, you don't have to turn there, but the last verse that we read says that, we, that he became sin for us, that we might be made or become the righteousness of God in Christ. What is this word righteousness? What is this all about? This is, this is the baseline of understanding. This is something we got to establish right from the get-go. What does it mean to be righteous? What does the word righteousness actually mean? Well, to be righteous means to be right. We we would often say this in Bible college, and when I was a kid, I heard people say this a lot. Righteousness with God is right standing with him. (laughs) How many of you have ever been on anybody's, we're going to call it a poop list? Anybody ever been? How many of you have a poop list? (laughs) Somebody's got a running tally. They're like, yeah, I got it in the notes section of my phone. Here, let me show you. (laughs) You and I were on God's poop list. You didn't do anything to get there. You can thank Adam and Eve for that. They plunged all of humanity into sin so that everybody that comes from Adam's lineage, which is, newsflash, all of us, (laughs) we're born guilty. So we start out life on God's poopoo list. Okay? I'm going to keep it as funny as possible. We start out life on God's poop list. And then here comes Jesus who does everything that he does. He comes and manifests the Father to us and he shows us what life in the kingdom looks like and then he goes and he takes uh, you know, beatings and scourgings upon himself and he takes all of our sin and shame and sickness and disease and he takes it to the cross and he goes there completely naked for the whole world to see, bruised beyond recognition. They, they didn't even, they, you couldn't even tell who he was. They beat him so bad. And here he is hanging on This cross, and and in the midst of all of that, he cries out these immortal words it is finished, and then he dies. And then for three days, he goes into hell itself, paying every ounce of the price that needed to be paid so that we, when he rose up from the grave, we now get to partake in his resurrection, and we get to be no longer on God's poo-poo list. We now get to be in the family. The Bible says in Ephesians that we were at what the Bible calls enmity with God, which means we were totally opposed to him until we met Jesus. And then once we met Jesus, Jesus did this amazing work by the Holy Spirit. He came into our lives completely recreating us, and now we are made new. And we are no longer on God's hit list. We're now a son of God. A daughter a child of God I went from being an outcast to being on in the will you understand what I mean I went from being an enemy of God to literally being his best friend not because I did anything It's not my righteous deeds that are the power of God unto salvation. It's the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. It's the good news from the front lines that Jesus won and I get to partake in all of his victory and now I get to stand up and say, you know what? I'm not the sinner I used to be. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. So what does it mean to be righteous? It means to be right in right standing with him. The word righteousness, actually the suffix-ness there, means literally to have rightness applied to me. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So when I say I'm the righteousness of God, I'm saying that God took his rightness, his moral perfection, his immutability, his absolute every ounce of his nature and who he is, he took that and he applied it to me through the blood of Jesus. Oh, Woo! Glory to God. That gets me excited. God took everything that makes him him. He took everything that makes him morally perfect. And he, and he took in the blood of Jesus and he applied that to me. The moment I had faith in Christ, I get to partake now in something called the divine nature. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. We'll get into the divine nature here in a couple weeks. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see what God does. Glory to God. But the gospel of God, why is Paul not ashamed of the gospel? Because it has everything it needs within itself to take me from the wretch that I used to be, from the destitute outcast that I used to be, and and by itself bring me over here into the family of God. So now not only am I in the family, the Bible says I'm an heir of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus What's it mean to be an heir? This is not a trick question. What's it mean to be an heir? It means you get an inheritance. How many of you would love to be in Bill Gates' will or Warren Buffett's will? Yeah, I'd love to be an heir on that will. Why? Because it means when he dies, I get something. How many of you know you became a, 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 an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus so that when Jesus died, you got something? Ay, yeah, 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 yeah. Whew. This, guys, I'm telling you, this is if I had to pick one message to preach for the rest of my life, this is it. Because out of this message comes everything that you need to know as a Christian. If you understand who you are in Christ, if you know that you're made new and you understand sin no longer has dominion over you, condemnation doesn't have a chance to live in your mind anymore. When you understand what God did when He when you got saved, it'll make you a better husband, it'll make you a better wife, it'll make you a better parent, it'll cause you to be overcoming in sin. It'll cause you to have authority over sicknesses and disease, it'll cause you to have authority over the devil, it'll cause you to be a better employee, it'll cause you to, to be blessed. It'll cause you to, everything God wants to do in your life, this is the gateway into it. You understand? That's why it's so important. I was telling somebody this week, I, uh, actually, I think I said this to multiple people. They're asking me what I was going to be preaching on. And I said, I'm going into this series. And I said, I try to preach this like at least once a year. Usually it's got a little different name to to the series and stuff. So it doesn't get boring or stale but I try to preach this all the time so that we constantly remember who we are in Christ Jesus. Now let's go back to 2 Corinthians for the last few minutes. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Y'all doing okay? All right. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if any man or any woman, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How many of you have heard this scripture before? How many of you have heard this scripture, and, and, and the old things passed away part was emphasized? Yeah. Right? We, I, I, that, that's how I, I mean, when I was at youth camp, you know, when I, when I went to, you know, Christian events and stuff, this was a constant verse that people would quote. And oftentimes, not wrongly, oftentimes what gets expressed most is that the old has passed away. Right? The, the, the you that you used to be is gone now, praise God. Old things have passed away. Very little emphasis, unfortunately, is made on the all things have become new part. Because what, what, what he goes on to say in verse 18, and just stick with me for a second, because I just want you to get this. What he goes on to say in verse 18 is that now all things are of God. And that's a big statement. So let me, Claire, come up here, sweetie. Let me, uh, let me do something here. I didn't intend to do this. Huh? You just stand right here. Just look pretty. You don't even have to try for that. Let's, um, let's take this towel, and let's say that this is the nature of God. Let's say that this is God's perfect righteousness. Okay? And let's say, hold on to this. Let's say that this is Claire's sin. And her sinful nature. And everything that, you know, great-grandpa Adam gave to her. Okay? This is the junk that she was born with. This is sin and all of the effects of sin. Sickness, disease, depression, anxiety, fear, strife. Everything that you and I face, like, on a daily basis. All the stuff that compounds and comes against us. When the enemy comes against you, what, what is he coming against? He's bringing up all this junk. Okay? It's, it's sin and all of the effects of sin that come with sin, okay? So this is her sin, and, and, and this is a part of who she is. It, you know, she can't get rid of it. If she tried to throw it, she'd throw it. It wouldn't go anywhere. She couldn't get rid of it. You follow me? You can't get rid of your sin on your own. How many of you figured that out? Nothing we can do to make ourselves righteous. And so I'm going to be God for a second. I'm going to be the Holy Spirit, Okay? You're like, dang, I thought he was going to be a little thinner. It's cool. It's, 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 I'm going to be the Holy Spirit for just a second. Hey, the Bible says he's omnipresent. I'm getting there. Amen. Some of you get that joke in an hour. Um, so here's Claire, and, and, and all she wants to do is get rid of this sin. All she wants to do is get rid of this nature that she was born with, this fallen state that she finds herself in. Right now, she's an enemy of God. Right now, we have no covenant. We have nothing to build a relationship on. And so what happens is she trusts in Jesus. She prays and she says, Lord, I want you to come be my Savior. I, Lord, I give you my life. I give you who I am. I give you all of my heart. And she prays and she asks the Lord Jesus to come into her heart. Here's what happens. She becomes a new creation, according to verse 17. The old has passed away. Okay? It's gone. Gone. She can't even find it. Hello? it's gone. She didn't didn't do that. She didn't have the power to throw it away, but I do because I'm the Holy Spirit, right? I'm God. So I come into her life and I say, hey, you're my kid now. You're my child. You're in the family now. And I'm going to deal with that sin and chuck it where it needs to go. That's where most people emphasize and it's good, but then that's where they stop. But the verse goes on. It says, old things are passed away, now all things have become new. Now this towel, don't go anywhere, this towel now represents my nature, my perfection as God, my nothing missing, nothing broken peace. This is my nature, and here's what I do. I clothe her in my nature, okay? So, So she doesn't look like what she used to look like. She does not look like what she used to look like. She's got something new now that is her new identity, her new reality, the newness of life in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. And now verse 18 goes on to say, what does it say in verse 17? Old things are passed away. All things have become new, verse 18. Now, look at it on the screen. Now, somebody say all things. All things are of God. (laughs) Now, all things are of God. That means everything that got downloaded into her, the moment she got saved, doesn't look like her anymore. Everything looks like God now. If you could see your spirit in a mirror, you would see God. I'm not saying you are God. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Okay? Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you become God. That's ridiculous. Tell your neighbor, that's ridiculous. That's stupid. (laughs) You're not God. You're not omnipresent and omnipotent and all-knowing and eternal. Right? But no, what happens is you get to partake in something that changes your very identity and changes your very DNA, and you get to take on new attributes. How many of you know this kid? She, she's one of mine. If you could see a picture of her right now when she was a baby, when she was about two months old, and you see a picture of me when I was the same age, we looked so similar. We did. She goes, wait, we did? Yeah we sure did there's a picture actually I'm thinking of that I took with my camera when she was about six months old and she looks so much like little baby Josh why because my DNA is in this kid she and I we share blood we share relations, you understand? She's, she's my offspring. So, so she looks like me. She, she kind of sounds like me. She has some of my traits and my characteristics. You see, when you became new in Christ Jesus, that old man died, and now all things are of God. If you could look at your spirit in a mirror you would see God characteristics. You would see God's DNA on the inside of you. You would see the one who spoke the worlds into existence and you would go, hey, I look like him. I sound like him. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's, that's God? That's my father? Oh my goodness. you got a new nature. You've got new righteousness. You see all this stuff that gets added to her? means that she and I are now in great relationship. Now, because you've been given the righteousness of God, because you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, guess what you get to do? You get to come boldly before the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. You get to believe and speak uh, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter four, where the Bible says he, God called those things that be not as though they were. You get to call things that be not as though they are. So when, so when you start to believe God for something, you say, you know what? I, I want my marriage to be better. My marriage is struggling right now. I'm struggling with my, with my finances. I'm struggling with my own mental game and with, my, you know, with, with, with being able to have a mind renewed. You get to start to, ooh, hey, baby. You get to start calling things that be not as though they are. Why? Because that's what your dad does. Because you're in the family and you get to act like God now. You get to start to take on some of his characteristics. You get to learn from him. This is why, thank you, baby. And doesn't Hmm? that have sweat on it? No, it doesn't. Just just go sit down. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Does that have sweat on it? She said, you better believe it has sweat on it, girl. (laughs) I grew up in Pentecostal circles, girlfriend. You better believe this got some sweat on it. My God. Ha. Ha. This is why. Listen, 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 listen. This is why. Aren't you glad we have fun in church? Aren't you glad we don't come in here and, you know, just everybody depressed all the time? No. We have fun. This is a great place to be. Listen. Why did Jesus, when Philip said to Jesus in the book of John, I believe it's chapter 17. No, it's not. Excuse me. It's chapter 14. When Philip says to Jesus, Show us the Father, and that will be sufficient for us. What, did, what is Jesus' response? He said, Philip, how long do I have to be with you? In other words, don't be a blockhead, Charlie Brown. How long, how long do I have to be with you for you to realize something, Philip, that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father? What is he talking about? He's talking about our nature. He's talking about the fact that God's DNA is in the Son. The Father is in the Son. The Father exists in the Son. There's such perfect union between Father and Son. And you and I get in on that reality. We get in on that relationship. Old things have passed away. All things become new. This is one of the hardest pills to swallow when you grow up in works-based religion. Can I just be honest and I'll close with this? This is one of the hardest pills to swallow when you grow up with the mentality that I've got to prove myself to God. I've got to do everything I possibly can to get God to love me. I've got to do everything I possibly can to get God's approval. This new reality of all things are of God and I got a new nature and I get to cash in on all the benefits just because I know Jesus. It's one of the hardest pills to swallow when you grow up trying to work for God's approval. The reality is, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it by itself is the power of God unto salvation. This message of you being new in Christ Jesus by itself is all that you need To take you from destitute, out of the family, enemy of God. To now, I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly places. I'm telling you, as we go through this, I'm just telling you, you're never going to see salvation the same way ever again. You're never going to see salvation the same way. It's never just going to be a get out of hell free card anymore. Because it's, it, it, it is, yeah, you escape God's judgment, no doubt. And that's wonderful. But that's actually not what God's main desire was in sending Jesus to the cross, was just to get you out of hell. Right? Boy, we're kicking sacred cows over this morning left and right. That wasn't God's main goal. His main goal was for intimacy with you. His main goal was that when it, when it was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God said, the family's too small. The family's too small. The family's too small. We need, you, the Bible, oh man, can I, can I preach for like three more minutes? Whew. Oh, I just want to say everything I know about this subject right now, but I can't. We're going to we're gonna have to spread it out a little bit. The Bible says... In the book of Hebrews, well, hold on. John chapter 3. Remember Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus? You remember that he says that God gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life? John 3. Thank you. Very good. Well done, class. (laughs) (laughs) We all know that scripture. It teaches us the understanding that up until the cross, Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. How many begotten sons did did God have? One, because Jesus was the only begotten Son. But now, when you get to the book of Hebrews, we're on the other side of the cross, we're on the other side of the empty tomb. We're on the other side of the ascension of Jesus into heaven. And what does the Bible say God's desire was? His plan, his will was to bring many sons to glory. It started out that Jesus was the only begotten son of the Father, but he's not the only son anymore. The family's a lot bigger now because you're a son and I'm a son because I've come into relationship with Jesus. And so now I'm in his family And that was God's desire all along. To bring many sons to glory. Whew, man. We're going to talk about in the coming weeks, condemnation. And we're going to talk about how condemnation doesn't apply to you because you're in Christ. We're going to talk about the benefits that come with salvation. Like healing. Healing. Like restoration of your mind, your will, your emotions. How many of you would love for your emotions to be restored? Yeah. We're going to talk about your spirit, soul, and body. How many of you know that when you look in the mirror and you see your face, that's not all that there is to you? You're a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. We're going to talk about what it means to be justified. To live justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Do you realize, I'm gonna leave you with this. Do you realize that Jesus' work on the cross was so perfect, so substantial, and so successful that you and I can live not, not as though we never sinned. We can live as though Adam never sinned. Think about that. Jesus' work on the cross was so perfect that not only do my old sins no longer follow me around, no longer am I a slave to sin anymore, but I I'm gonna tell you this, and this might mess with your head a little bit. I hope it does till next week. Jesus' work on the cross was so perfect and so substantial that you don't ever have to sin ever again. That's exactly right. Ever again. Ever again. People all, but, but you know, I, I live in this flesh, and I'm frail, and of course I'm going to sin again. Says who? Says who? On, well, you know, brother, I'm going to, you know, we're just, we're just, you know, we're just, <laughs> we're just old dirty sinners, man. We're just, this is what we do. We sin. Says who? And that's not what Jesus said about you. It's not what Paul said about you. Paul said, You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Paul said in Ephesians that you were seated with him in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named. Paul said that you have the spirit of the living God living in you, that the same spirit which raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and gives life and quickens your mortal body. Paul said that no condemnation can follow you around. Paul said that you don't have to live with an aware, a perpetual awareness of your sins. The Bible says in Hebrews that we don't have to live with an awareness of our sin anymore. You, you know, it, 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 who said you have to sin? You don't. You're new. You're new. I'll leave you with this thought. I know I said that I was gonna leave you with that last thought. I got another thought. Seriously, I'll leave you with this thought. We'll dig into this maybe more next week, but what we read in, in, in verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5 it says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The word creation in the Greek is the word which means original creation. Original creation. When God made you, brand new he started from scratch when you said yes to jesus he didn't take your old man and polish it he didn't take the old you and put righteousness paint on it and you know freshen you up a little bit he made you a brand new original I don't know if you've ever bought a new car before or driven a test drove, a new car before, but when a car is brand new, you can tell. Right? How many of you have ever driven a brand new car before? You can tell it's new. It's fresh off the assembly line. It's only got six miles on it, and that was from, you know, All the times it's been backed on and pulled off of a tractor trailer to get it to the dealership. It's only got a handful of miles on it. It is brand new. It smells new. It looks new. It's got plastic on parts and places. It's brand new. When you got saved, you became a brand new original, fresh off of heaven's assembly line. So don't carry around the baggage of the old man. Amen. Let's stand up to our feet. That's enough for today. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.